This is the sorrow show. Hey there, welcome back to the Zorro show. I'm your host Zara Jane. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, then welcome wonderful listeners. Before diving in, can I suggest to you to pop over to episode one and give that a listen first. It's a great way for you to get to know me and my interview with guest artist Tanya Raba Weber. It's a must. But come straight back, won't you, because I'll miss you. If you're a returning listener, don't go anywhere, you're in the right place. In this series, I will be talking to artists, performers, specifically disabled artists and performers, and having a conversation with them about their experiences of working as arts professionals with disabilities and hidden disabilities. I am interested in this topic as I am a performance maker and writer with hidden disabilities myself. This podcast came about because I got to thinking, hey, there ain't many people like me making podcasts. So surely there's a voice for me and others like me in the podosphere. I asked the charity Sense if they were up for making it happen and, well, here we are. Last time I had an amazing conversation with the artist Tanya Raba Weber, all about resilience and powering through even when things aren't straightforward. And for this episode, I'm going to focus on well-being. And to help me unpick this, I've invited along Robin Jacks. Robin is a musician and founder of Tiergarten Records, a neurodiverse record label founded in 2017. So, let's have a Zara Show conversation. Hi, Robin. Hi, Zara. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing good. You? Uh, surviving in the 21st century, <laughs> for lack Aren't of a better all? term. Um, <laughs> so, why don't you tell our lovely listeners out there a little bit about you and your work? Okay, so my name is Robin Jacks, and I am a musician, primarily a creative performer. I am the founder of what I believe is the world's first neurodiversity-focused record label. It's called Tiergarten Records. Uh, I play solo under the alias Robin Plays Chords. I am one half of the transatlantic autistic duo, our description, uh, which is a band called The Companions. That's with my friend who lives in Seattle. Her name is Amber Bird. She's a musician and author. Mm-hmm. Um, I am part of the Birmingham-based immersive theatre company, Spectra Arts Company. Um, I'm there as a performer and as a board member. Uh, one of the things I've been doing this year, been contributing guitar to a band called The Shining Tongues. Oh. And many other things on the side there's there's quite a lot going on to be honest that's a lot to be doing like especially in this time um yeah it took a while for everything to come in at once i think uh my sense of project management has been uh 
slightly swamped this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's always nice to be involved in some way or form with these kinds of projects. Yeah. So, um, like, have you ever picked up any new skills during like lockdown and all that? I finally got the chance to really sit down and uh, improve my Ukrainian. It was one of the things I really wanted to learn for a while and something I've been meaning to do for years, but as you got to sit down and have time with a Duolingo course, maybe wow. the best part of like 90 minutes a day. Wow. So I feel, I feel good in that sense. Um, at, oh, that's and good. Also a lot of uh, music recording techniques, which I'd never had a chance to put into practice in my yeah. own work. That, like what um, kind of music techniques have you picked up? Um, just the, the kind of things of home production and uh, doing home mixing. I mean, in terms of my artistic process, um, it used to be quite uh, timid and hands off, and I always like I liked the idea of what I was going to make, but I never quite had the confidence in myself to do it and I didn't have enough confidence to go to the people who knew how to do it um so a lot of times projects got stuck in a little bit of a limbo um but now I feel like much more confident to go after my um own things in my own time in terms of like your uh, uh, this is the first time we've met what's your artistic discipline Mm -hmm. and have you ever had that in your work? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. I'm I'm a writer as well as a performer. So um, I I've mainly been doing theatre, um, as a performance artist and kind of um not musical stuff because I can't sing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been doing some dramas and uh some comedy and sort of like focusing on that and with lockdown happening and the theatres all shut I've been doing more writing and Mm. just exploring different ways to explain scenery and that in writing oh interesting yeah it's one of the things that um I was kind of had the appreciation for uh for writers yeah are there any like musicians or yeah musical artists that you kind of admire? The list is so <laughs> long. <laughs> um, obviously, a lot of the musicians who I go to influences on what I play. Uh, beyond that, I feel that there are more influential figureheads in terms of how they navigate through the industry or um, or everyday life in that regard. So I think of people, there's a Canadian musician called Lorena McKennett, Galen Lee would come to mind. Yeah, my current, my current album of the year would be by a Guatemalan cellist called Marby Ferrati, now living in Mexico City. Okay. And she put out a record called Pies Sobre La Tierra on a record label that's based in Coventry. And I guess anyone who is making adventurous, forward-thinking 
music and releasing it through the independent sector or doing it themselves, they're always going to be um, highly influential to me. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, work with music and your disability? It's a good question and a very difficult one to answer because I never entirely sure what it's like to work without it mm. so um i i know that there are good things and when well, not to say bad things i think there are challenges that come with how um i myself am autistic so mm. that's where i have the positives maybe of long periods of hyper focus on whatever it is I'm doing, whether it be like a creative project. But then at the same time, um, the effort to go through those periods of hyper-focus does lead to burnout and then that recovery time is a lot longer. Yeah. Um, In terms of actually making its way down into the music, I think... um, I have a better sense for scanning out entire pieces in one go. Um, Mm. So whether it starts from, say, a guitar figure or a lyric, then it tends to come together and I know exactly what I want to hear within Mm -hmm. five, ten minutes of that first spark of inspiration and if that's if it's good enough to be kept and then move on to the next idea and then develop again and again so i so i think in that sense that's how um what some can can affect my creative process uh yeah going back to the original thing it's very hard to say whether it's that or whether you could compare it to not having the disability because mm. I just don't know any other way. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, especially when you're kind of you've always had the disability, so it's like Exa- how would I know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you, you want to kind of like take away the integral part, yeah. then you mm. wouldn't have a real honest artistic statement in that as well. So. As a neurodiverse musician, do you think the arts are getting better with access and inclusion? Hmm. Diplomatic answer, (laughs) yes. Long answer, I've known... um, There are instances where uh, inclusivity has been well, efforts for inclusivity have been sorely lacking. Mm. I went to a music industry event uh, last year where I was meant to join up with um, some members of the Attitude is Everything Next Stage program. And Attitude is Everything is a fantastic organization um, that does a lot of work, particularly around live music and uh, inclusivity and and accessibility um but at this 
uh, industry event, we were supposed to have a semi-public forum uh, and that it sort of descended into farce and exclusion and that was I I knew that this could be kind of a risk in that sense but it was a bit of an eye-opener how badly it was handled um, yeah. so I know for a fact that um, the industry is making a, like music industry generally is is trying to be better that mm-hmm. not willfully going out of their way to discriminate anymore uh universal have been rightly lauded for their neurodiversity um and their well this is neurodiversity they have a um like a handbook that mm. they published and their commitment to it as well which is laudable uh particularly for a major label i hope it actually leads to kind of practical results in terms of their hiring policies as well and also how they might treat artist welfare for example um on the wider thing there's there's always a long way to go uh you always have to kind of not just fight for the change that you want to see, but to make sure that the change you made yesterday is still in place tomorrow. So yeah, it's they're getting slowly but surely we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. I think it's the same like in any uh, area of work. I think um, I saw on the BBC website they had a piece on um, the disability rights movements of the 1980s and the 1990s, oh, yeah. like Alan Holdsworth. It was like mm-hmm. a long read. and Because um, I also remember seeing an exhibition back at uh, Midland Arts Centre in February mm-hmm. about that those kinds of movements, the piss on pity movement. And it was really kind of amazing to see how in terms of legal barriers well not even the fact that it's a barrier it's the the move to make sure that discrimination and access uh was so interwoven into society and they went to such lengths and they had to go to such lengths to have it told to them that, or to tell other people that the society is 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 discriminating against them and um, they can't participate in it. There's a case of people being arrested for obstruction, but then being de-arrested because the police couldn't put them into the cars because the cars weren't accessible and the police stations weren't accessible. So they basically like, we'll let you off with a warning, which is code for, we can't take you to a police station. And and the, and the absurdity. Yeah. Um, and in this sense, that what they managed to do then was incredible. And uh, even now we still have to kind of 
get to have the very basics, you have to fight four times as hard. Mm. So, uh, the last question before we move on to the next section how are you maintaining your uh, uh, well being? How am I doing that? (laughs) (laughs) uh, For for the most part, the first half of lockdown in the early months, um, it was in the slightly, you know, the brighter days of spring and summer. And I was able to like go out into the garden. She kind of found a way of um, kind of, getting garden loppers and cutting down bits of branches and just doing all these little bits and pieces which I would not normally kind of find myself uh, orientated to doing but it was nice to have something else as a kind of a green excursion Um, the Ukrainian lessons uh, usually fall in the same slots every day Uh, there's been times where I have definitely felt up and down. Um, the down periods um, have been quite difficult, but generally um, I try and find a situation um, or something to work with, for example, um, whether it's new music, whether mm-hmm. it's something to write mm-hmm. uh whether it's even like label admin because there's always that yeah. if you uh, and if anyone wants to start a label then know that your life is going to be beholden to printers <laughs> um so um yeah and also one of the kind of things that i thought was really useful for me um and it probably could be for anyone else. If you can, make sure that your like device, whether it's laptop or mm-hmm. tablet, or is not in your bedroom. You don't want to be in the same space as your work, if you can help it. Yeah. When, if you set it up as an actual station, and you feel like you're going to an office then that's much better in terms of the little bit of mental separation. Uh, uh, Treat it as a transfer of commute. I think we should move on to our next section, which is Art Swap, where um, I believe you're going to show us or perform a bit of work, a bit of your artwork. Welcome to Art Swap. I am going to share a Robin Place chord song, um, which comes from the 2017 album Teardrop Girl Star LP. And this song is called Lost at Sea, if you don't mind, I'd like to play that for you now. Yeah, sure. Go for it.
future Sweetness pressed into mouth by a stranger March into the sea of well Hope your heart can love me still Go beyond the looking glass start of art shop i believe you have something for me as well yes i do give me your love and i will cherish it give me your strength and i will honor it give me your sorrow and i will comfort it give me your anger and i will calm it give me your hand and i will help you climb give me your wisdom and i will give mine give me your emotion and i will be your voice Give me your motive and leave me with the choice. Give me your spirit and I will walk far. Give me your kindness and I will stand guard. Give me your question and I will ask. Give me your courage and I will pass. That is wonderful. <laughs> that really is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, yes. um, that's my art swap cherry thingy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you for the sherry thingy sherry thingies are great <laughs> anyway um shall we move on to the game yeah let's go for it yeah so there's uh it's this game called would you rather option number one would you rather have any musical instrument you wanted or have any house you wanted Musical instrument, although I, that said, 
it would be nice to have the house to have the space for the instruments. <laughs> I think my kind of current um, number is so there's three electrics, an acoustic, a bass. We've got piano here. Um, mm. There's amps. When you get accessories into it, it starts becoming yeah quite sprawling. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, next one. Be an early bird or be night owl? Night owl. Yeah, I think I've, I'm I've, a night owl too, yeah. Um, yeah, I am not made for early mornings and <laughs> I tend to find that some of my best working hours have been between 11pm and 2am. Would you rather be very popular on any social media platform or top of the download charts? Top of the download charts? Hmm, yeah. Being at the top of social media, I find social medias, I don't necessarily, I, I definitely don't enjoy it in its sense that it expects you to uh, be this big external presence for the world when um, yeah. for a lot of people it's kind of hard enough when we're just talking with our friends it, yeah so I definitely take the top of the downloads yeah okay would you rather have no internet or no mobile phone but it's like a 90s mobile phone without the internet installed on it I would definitely go with the 90s mobile. Uh, internet I need for the, the day to day. Um, and I much prefer like keyboards. I really struggle with touch screens. Mm. So I feel that that's the one that yeah. I'd rather be focused on. Yeah. And then you've only doing the internet on one device as well. That's so. that's also <laughs> kind of quite useful because then you're not continually looking at multiple devices thinking that someone wants you somewhere. <laughs> Would you rather go back in time 300 years or go 300 years to the future? 300 years to the future, I think. Mm-hmm. Going 300 years to the past, so where were we at? 1720s. I don't fancy my chances in 1720s England yeah. as an autistic person, but also at the same time, yeah, like going into the kind of great unknown, I mean, 300 years in the future could be the sci-fi dystopia that we all like worry about yeah. but um but we have some kind of historical context for this like the 1700s and it doesn't seem the happiest place to be so <laughs> yeah yeah i feel that um we've already had like global leadership that wants to take it back to the 1930s and that's been pretty bad <laughs> yes <laughs> okay would you rather have 10 friends in real life or one million friends on Facebook. Ten friends in real life. Yeah. 
Yeah. Forget social media, stick with your real yeah, friends. Think, <laughs> like you crack into the millions and then it's just numbers at that point. Yeah. There's any real people to it. Yeah. <laughs> Would you rather continue living with your disability or make it disappear? I'd live with it. Yeah. I I'm I'm not really in the I guess because I was diagnosed very young, I don't have a kind of idea of chasing normality with like big speech bubbles around that. Um, but mm. I, I definitely think that there are times it's just like I, I feel a little bit of an alien um, having to like speak someone else's language and self-translate that from like translate myself to a world that doesn't speak a kind of mutual language but mm. um i couldn't have that be any yeah. other way it just doesn't make sense so yeah i I'd, I'd stick with it and and i suppose like if you know no different it's like well if I changed it, then, like, would I be more petrified of the world? Well, then after a while, um, if you have the kind of the, for example, if it's the neurotypicality and you're mm. still approaching things in the way that's expected of that society and life's not much better for it, then is it mm. like the neurodivergence, which is the issue, or is it the society? And the issue is the society, so. Yeah. Well, that was interesting. We've come to the end of the game and the end of our conversation. But before I let you go, can you please give a tip or piece of advice to our lovely listeners about um, coping with isolation or, yeah, loneliness? I guess this too shall pass is the really short way of saying it. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I know for like long periods of my life where I've been in um, social isolation, whether that be um, like changes in my personal circumstance whether it was mental health or I just had to kind of just turn away from the world for a little bit and you have those windows where you think that it's never going to end and having had that at least seven or eight times but there must have been a point where mm. it had to end to be able to know that it ever started when people are talking about kind of reaching out and it's like well it's not always that easy to just reach out but the, the light does come and it doesn't come in mm. ways that make sense on paper the good times do come back yeah they do come back people it'll be fine it'll be over soon <laughs> I, I hope that was a um, halfway coherent explanation for that. It's, it's very hard yeah, to it's kind of... It's, it's quite hard to come up with um, 
coherent advice for a pandemic i don't think mm. i've ever had to train for this so it's like i don't think anyone has so it's just so just do your best you know nowadays we've got video call and that so we can always mm. like you're not necessarily there but you can see someone face to face and talk to them so sorry it's yeah i in in that sense like having this conversation right now as we said mm. we're doing this over zoom yeah um it's kind of like a marvel i remember um my grand telling me stories that about how my grandpa went to like palestine during the second world war and uh. she might get a letter from him every six months or so yeah and and at the end of just before the end of the war he was riding a motorbike and he hit a goat and broke his leg and he stayed in the hospital for another year so he didn't come back home until 1946 yeah she told me that and how it's a good thing in this day and age that people can talk on phones and people can skype or zoom or yeah. any of those things um there's always like an avenue somewhere for mm. connection and I think whether if physical isolation is a situation that someone is going through, and I know for a fact I was on the shielding list, okay. um, that there's someone somewhere and they're willing to reach out. And yeah. Yeah, there's always someone willing to reach out. So, yeah, so thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Zara. It's been it's been amazing. Uh, yeah, very, very, very um, grateful that you have me and grateful to share the time. Hi, listeners. It's me again. Robin's gone. It was very interesting talking to him. I loved his stories on the Piss on Pity and his Nan's story. And I loved his advice on having a different workspace to your bed space. So, that's it for this episode. Join me next time when I'll be having a chat with mixed media artist Clark Reynolds. He's become a really good friend of mine and he works with Brow in his artwork. So, I can't wait for you to meet him. We'll be talking about shifting attitudes so tune in for more guests, games and art swap. You know you want to. The Zara Show is written and hosted by me, Zara Jane, with direction and music by Sam Frankie Fox. Shani Dorset of creativewallflowerinc.com created the artwork. This podcast is produced in collaboration with the Sense Arts and Wellbeing team. Sense is a national disability charity that supports people with complex needs, including deaf blindness. Sense, connecting sight, sound and life. No one left out of life no matter what. If you would like to keep up to date, please subscribe to The Zara Show Podcast. If you would like to follow me and my work, go to at Z-A-R-A underscore J-A-Y-N-E 87. That's at Zara underscore Jane 87 
on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're interested in learning more about Sense, please visit www.sense.org.uk or follow at Sense Charity on all social media platforms. Oh, and don't forget, please do rate and review hashtag The Zara Show. All the information about my guests is in the podcast description.